0: Good morning, my name is Kyle Gatlin, I'm one of the pastors here, and welcome to the best Sunday of the year. Did y'all know this? We get an extra hour of sleep, it's the best Sunday of the year. Alabama, Auburn, Troy, all one, it's the best Sunday of the year. And my dog even knew the time change, she slept later than I did, so I was really happy about that. I thought for sure at 4.15 this morning I was going to get, and wake me up. Nope. She waited. She waited. So this is the great, greatest Sunday of the year. I have a question. Show of hands. Let's see if anybody wants to answer this question publicly. How many of you ever, uh, How many of you aspire to mediocrity? Anybody aspire to mediocrity? All right. Good. I'm glad that you don't answer that question. Most of us would not aspire to mediocrity. Even, even when we are in school, for those of, uh, those of us who are older, those of you who are in school, elementary or junior high or high school, college, whatever it is, I hope that you do not go to school each day and going, I just want to make it by the day. I just want to make it, right? I'm hoping that all of us, well, at least we were in the younger grades, and in high school, we would want to do our best. We want to get the best grade on our test. Uh, if we have to write a paper, we want to do the best job that we can without getting caught using AI, right? So I hope that, hope that, I hope that we want to do our best and have wanted to do our best. And, and I was like that. When I was in high school, I knew I was not going to be at the top of my class. I knew that. Okay, too many smart people in my class. But but I I did try my best to do really good in, in most things, in most of my stuff. When I went to college, for the most part, I did try to do my best there, right? Even the classes that I didn't like still tried to do my best. Graduate school, that's another story, all right? That's another story. Because here's the deal. When I was obviously in high school, that's a full day, right? Seven to three, eight, eight to three or whatever our time was, you know, that's what you did, you're doing that five days a week. You go to college, and I didn't, I didn't have to work going through college. I did a couple of part-time stuff, usually officiating softball and stuff like that. But I, I didn't have to work my way through school. Some of you had to do that, and, and uh, yeah, that's great. But when I got to co- uh, graduate school, I ended up, after one semester, I ended up with uh, the job. I l- moved off campus and was working at a church, and I was doing something that I knew I was called to do. I was working in a church. I was, I was called the assistant uh, minister there. Worked with uh, students and worked with older adults. But basically, I, I was the associate pastor for all practical purposes, even though I was hired. And, and that's what I enjoyed. That's what, that's what gave me energy. That's what, what gave me the reason to wake up. Yes, I had to go to grad school. I had to commute to school two or three days a week, depending on the semester, and, and I got by. I, I will be honest with you. I just got by whatever it took to pass the classes because I saw graduate school as a means to an end. If I got to get through this school so I can get ordained and move back to Alabama and West Florida area uh, to pastor a church. That, that's what I saw it. And, and that, was, that was simply it. But what was interesting to me is looking back at high school. And I was actually able to do that this week. We're, we're having a cleanup day, November 17th and 18th here. And, and one of the projects that we're going to be asking people to help us with is to clean out our attic, which the attic is right, right above my office, basically. And over these years, since I've came in 99, since I came in 99, I've actually got some personal stuff up there. And I was up there, I was actually looking for something that came across a personal box and I pulled that box down. Most of that box had floppy disk, (laughs) three and a quarter inch disk, right? Do they make computers that read those? I have no idea. I hadn't thrown them away yet, but I'm getting close to it, right? And a bunch of cassette tapes. Does anybody remember cassette tapes, right? A bunch of cassette tapes, there's a lot of Hosanna worship music in there, vineyard worship. Anyway, in that box, For whatever reason, I have no idea how this ended up there. There was my high school memory book. Louis said memories. So this was was made, this book was made about 40 and a half years ago. This book was made 40 and a half years ago. And so I actually looked at that book Friday. I, I'd taken the, the box out of the car, put it in my uh, sort of extra store, outside storage room, and I pulled out that book and was looking at some stuff. And in that book, when I was a senior in high school in 1983, somewhere in that spring, I wrote, not, wrote down some stuff, right? I wrote down good dates and bad. No, I didn't. All right. So, didn't have that many, wasn't enough to write about. I did write on one page. There was one page that said the future basically. And I seriously read this this week. So my future I, in 1983, spring of 83, future plans, college, either aerospace engineering or broadcasting. That was, that was the choices that I had. And apparently, I was wise enough to know in spring of '83 that that maybe, maybe aerospace engineering wasn't going to be it. Because I put, I wrote this sentence as well. I'm not so sure about aerospace engineering because I think there may be math involved. <laughs> so, and then I also wrote a quote from Miss Hurst that that Miss Hurst, my twelfth grade English teacher suggested to me says kyle you might want to think about broadcasting okay so here we are 40 and a half years later from writing that obviously i'm not aerospace engineering right in fact that was out the first month of school in 80, in, the, in the fall of 83 that was out anyway but what, what about broadcasting kyle you're you're a preacher oh not so fast my friend When Providence, when Providence made their first state finals in baseball, baseball, I was a part of a broadcasting crew for that radio broadcast of that championship game. I believe it was against Athens Bible School. Uh, Land Daugherty, Blaine Stewart, me and Taylor Barbie, I think, were were on those broadcasts. And then when uh, Brady Johnson, Kirk Maddox, uh, Reeves were part of the H.A. Championship baseball run. I, I, I broadcast a playoff uh, game from Laverne, if I remember correct. And then there was an, another American Legion game that I broadcast at, down, at, uh, um, down near Rip Hughes, the name of that park down there. Corey Kugler and I did a broadcast together for this team back in, out, out of South Carolina. So I was in broadcasting. And actually, did y'all know, we broadcast this service every week. And we added a a podcast. So in a sense, I'm actually doing broadcasting, right? But how many of us have are doing what we thought we would do when we were in high school? Really, when you, you think back of what you thought you wanted to do in high school, are you doing it? Well, I hope, I hope when you were younger, when you were a child or junior high or high school, I hope you were not a person that thought like this. When I grow up, I want to file all day. I want to climb my way up to middle management. Be replaced on a whim. I want to have a brown nose. I want to be a yes man. Yes woman. Yes sir. Coming sir. Anything for a raise sir. When I grow up. When I grow up. I want to be underappreciated. Be paid less for doing the same job. I want to be forced into early retirement. That was a Super Bowl commercial. That was a monster commercial that came out uh, during the Super Bowl many years ago. Here's here's what I hope for all of you. I hope you all want to be great. I really hope that you want to be great in the next this week and then the next three weeks. We're going to challenge you to be great because I hope that you want to be a great father. I hope that you want to be a great mother. I hope you want to be a great banker, a great accountant, a great doctor, a great boss, a great employee. I hope that you want to be great. And today and the other days, I want to encourage you to be great. We want to encourage you to be great in different areas. Like today, I want to encourage you to be a great witness. I'll encourage you to be a great witness. And here's a caveat to that. It's not not being a, you know, we're not talking about a courtroom witness. We're not talking about that. We're talking about day in and day out. Be a great witness of what Jesus is doing, has done, and will do in your life. That's what I want to challenge you to be. And and here's, here's one of the things I want you to remember. In order to be a great witness you've got to trust. You have got to trust. And that's not easy. That's not easy for a lot of us. Because the fact of the matter is, we've been burned. We've been burned by people we have trusted. You know, a lot of people can disappoint us, a lot of people can hurt us, but really nobody can burn us except the people we trust. Strangers can't burn us. Most politicians can't burn us. We don't trust them anyway. But you know, we you know. That but people close to us, people that we spent years, maybe decades building up a trust. When they break that trust, oh it hurts. That burns us. And it's tough getting that trust back, isn't it? When somebody does something like that, building up years of this relationship, and then they, they do something to break that trust, it's just tough to get back. And I think that's how some of us, maybe more than some of us, view God. You see, things, things have not been going the way that we had hoped in our family. Things are not going the way that we'd envisioned in our business Things had not been going the way that that I'd planned medically, right? My my personal life, it it seems to be in shambles and we throw that all at the feet of God and say, God, I don't trust you now because these things are not going my way. Consider this, what would have happened if the early church thought this way? What would have happened if the early church quit trusting God? And it really could have. When you look at the early church, things could have turned out differently had they not trusted God. And we wouldn't be here today if that had happened. I want you to consider this the early church was, began basically with 11 dudes, those 11 disciples of Jesus, the 11 that survived. That that survived after the crucifixion. And after the resurrection. And after the ascension. They had these 11 guys. They were the beginning of the early church. It didn't take very long for that early church to get started. Before the powers that be started identifying those leaders. And took them in. Arrested them. King Herod got James, and you read in Acts chapter 12, Peter and James were both arrested by King Herod. They were detained, obviously, because they were leaders of the way, the early Christian church. The early Christian church began praying and praying for their early leaders. James was killed. He was executed. Peter, he escaped, miraculously, a couple times. So the early church really could have said, wait a second, God, I don't understand. We, we prayed for James. We trusted you with James's life and he's no longer with us. And we did the same thing for Peter, yet he's still around. And 10 of those 11 early leaders, those disciples, were killed. Peter suffering the worst death. John was banished to Patmos to live out his days. But they trusted God, didn't they? They trusted God with with their leaders and now all their leaders have died. But the early church did not quit trusting God. And then the writer of Hebrews comes along and starts giving us this, this wonderful book. We have no idea who wrote the book, but anyway, he's giving us these wonderful examples from the Old Testament About trusting God. Hebrews chapter 11 is where we're going to be spending just a few more moments together looking at. But in this chapter, we call it the Hall of Faith because the writer keeps saying, by faith, by faith, by faith, and listing all these wonderful uh, big names from the Old Testament. They were great witnesses to what God had done and what God was doing in their lives when they were living. But it was their obedience to God that got them into the hall of faith. But here's what I want you to remember. Here's really what faith is. Faith is about trusting and obeying. And to trust and obey, we need to trust before we can obey. And that's what we see in Hebrews chapter 11. Over and over in this chapter, we find people who have faith because they trusted and then they obeyed. Like Noah in verse 7. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteous that is in keeping with faith. Noah, uh, if you have not heard this story before, Noah was told to build an ark. And I can picture... God going, hey, Noah, I need you to build an ark. Noah says, okay, what's an ark? I mean, middle of the desert, right? He's in the middle of the desert. How much rain has he even seen? When God says he's going to flood the earth, Noah probably said, what's a flood? You know, never seen that much rain before. What are you talking about, flood? And then we told him how big the ark was, I mean, it was huge. He said, build, build all these cubits by cubits by cubits. And, you know, Noah said, what's a cubit? You know, so I had no idea. Noah had to trust God. Now, I want you to understand this. Noah had to trust God with the plans. And he had to trust God with, with getting the animals on, all that other stuff. He had to trust God for. Then he had to trust God that what God told him to build was actually going to float. No dry docks to test it. No way to test this. He had to trust God that what God said was going to happen was going to happen. That, that, that the ark would float, that the water would come, and he would be saved. Noah had to trust before he obeyed. You can think about Abraham. By faith, when he called... By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive it as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. I hope you've heard this story before. Abraham literally took off not knowing where he was going, he was trusting God with his next step. He had no idea he was going to end up in the promised land. God just said, Go. And Abraham said, Okay. I'm going to trust you, God. Don't know which way to go. Don't know how I'm going to go there, but I'm going to trust you with each step of the way. He trusted, and then he obeyed as he went. Verse 13 says this, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. We're going to hit that up at the end of this chapter. But understand this, they did not receive the thing's promised; They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. I want you to remember that. They were still living by faith when they died. That's where I want to key on for just a second. They were all living by faith when they died. Can that be said of you and me? Will that be said of you and me? They were living by faith when they died. In other words, they were trusting God and obeying when they died. Today, there's four ladies that have died who are members of our church since the last All Saints Sunday, roughly 360 plus days ago. And we remember them today... Because they were living by faith when they died. This time a year ago was very tough for me because some of the names that that I read off. This year is a joy literally to read off these names because of the wonderful people they were. Sarah Brewer It's fitting that, well, of course, we're starting in alphabetical order, right? But it's fitting that Sarah would be the first one. If not simply because of this one wonderful story. Did y'all know Sarah Brewer was a six cow wife? Did anybody know that? She was a six cow wife. What are you talking about, Kyle? Well, when she was dating Joe, who eventually would become her husband, Joe was going to ask her to marry him but he needed an engagement ring he sold six cows to buy the engagement ring so she is sarah is a six cow wife she was a lady in every sense of the word she was a school teacher for many many years but beyond that was always someone that was a part of her family's life particularly her grandkids and her great-grandkids in her last few years. Her last few, few years were spent living by faith at Covenant and also as part of the respite care at Dothan First United. Geneve Brooks. Geneve was a daughter of an evangelist mother. Not an evangelist father, but an evangelist mother. So it was really sort of a natural fit for her to marry a pastor. And when she, she married, ha- married Harold, it was really a natural fit for her. She and Harold came to Covenant um, a number of years after Harold had officially retired. So they had moved here to be closer to their daughter, Jenny. And, and Harold, who had started out in a Yonah Methodist church, this was the closest one to him, so they came to our church. And they came to the 11 o'clock contemporary service in the gym. You want to know why? Because it was 11 o'clock. <laughs> they purposely made sure they arrived about 11:20 on most on most days. But what was cool about Miss Geneve is when Harold died, she didn't give up. She actually jumped in. She became a part of a small group, and all you got to do is ask Ellis Golson and Josh and Josh Tom- Thomas about their experience with Miss Geneve being a part of their group, even through COVID. She also jumped in and was part of our prayer team and part of one of our prayer hosts on Wednesdays here. Martha Carnegie, for many years, you could not drop off your child in our nursery, in our children's wing on Sunday mornings, without seeing this loving face and welcoming arms. And actually, Martha's whole life was about kids. She was a special education teacher in the public school system. And then even after she had left our church, she was working in other churches, keeping care of kids up until her illness prevented her from doing so. Jan Snyder, for those of you who have been Seeing part of our parts of our orchestra at different times during the year over the last number of years, Jan Snyder was a very very vital part of our music ministry, playing French horn and with our orchestra. And if if you never tried to play a French horn, don't don't try. I'm just telling you. All right. She's also part of our tri-state community uh, orchestra as well. And even here's what I, here's what I loved about Jan that even when she, her health did not allow her to attend or participate in music ministry, she never stopped supporting covenant. And I can tell you with confidence that she still is. She still is supporting our church. So let us pause in these moments to give thanks that in Christ their lives will never end. Would you please stand? Oh God, today we give you thanks for Sarah Brewer. God, today we give you thanks for Geneve Brooks. God, today we give you thanks for Martha Carnegie. And God, today we give you thanks For Jan Snyder. God, to each of these ladies, you gave unique gifts and you gave unique personalities. Each of them were living by faith up until the moment they left us. And God, I thank you that through you, they made an impact on their families, on their community, and on their church thank you for blessing us with these lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.